your Bibles, um, our reading this evening is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verses 12 and 13, and that's page 1187 in the Pew Bibles. So starting at verse 12, may the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other. And for everyone else, just as ours does for you, may he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, we know that all scripture is breathed by you and you can use even a couple of verses to teach us and to rebuke us and to correct us and to train us in righteousness. So we pray that you would do that this evening with these few verses, that we might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the Apostle Paul was uh, like a parent figure to this young church in Thessalonica. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, he describes himself as a caring mother and an encouraging father to them. That was his relationship with this young church. And when he was separated from them, when he was no longer in Thessalonica, he was anxious to know how they were doing, as any regular parent would want to know. Had they succumbed to the strong opposition and the severe suffering which they had grown up out of? Had they been tempted and led astray? Or were they going on in the faith? Well, when he could bear it no longer, Paul sent his colleague Timothy to visit them and to report back to him. And thankfully, it was a a good report. We read in chapter 3, verse 6, but Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and your love. So Paul was no longer anxious about how they were doing after reading that. He was assured reassured to hear this good news. And so we read just a bit further down in verse 8, for now we really live since you're standing firm in the Lord. And so, as, as he so often does in his letters to churches, the apostle Paul suddenly turns to God in prayer. And in some respects, this little prayer that we're going to look at tonight is a surprising prayer. You would think that uh, in his relief that they're standing firm, Paul would simply ask that God would keep them doing what they're doing. Maybe something like, thank you, God, for Timothy's encouraging report. Thank you that this church is standing firm. Help them to keep standing firm. Thank you that they are loving. Help them to keep on loving. But Paul doesn't do that. No, Paul's prayerful expectations are far greater than that. Yes, this church is loving, but he wants God to do a work in them that they would be even more loving than they already are. So verse 12 says, May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. But what is this love that Paul is talking about? Love can be quite a vague expression, and I'm sure if we went round the room tonight, we'd all come up with different uh, definitions of what love is. But what does Paul mean when he speaks of love? Well, helpfully, um, Paul explains what he means in in chapter 4. If you quickly just turn there, we're not going to spend a lot of time here, but just very quickly, Paul mentions what what love is. 
Uh, So in verses 3 to 7, he tells us what love is not. Love is not sexual immorality. It's not passionate lust, taking advantage of a brother, impurity. These are examples of counterfeit love. The fallen world around us might equate these things with love, but in fact, these are the opposite of love. Secondly, in verse 9, he mentions brotherly love, which is our love for fellow believers in Christ. The love that unites people who are very different, but who have the same heavenly father. And thirdly, there in verses 11 and 12, uh, he explains, uh, he, he, he talks about a love that is characterized by a quiet and industrious life so that they would win the respect of outsiders and not be a burden to anyone. So in these three little sections in chapter 4, Paul gives us an idea of what love is. And Paul's prayer is that these Thessalonians would um, increasingly love in a way that is pure, uh, that is generous, that is sacrificial, uh, that is hardworking and worthy of respect. Let's go back to our verses in chapter 3. Verse 12, then, as we've seen, is a prayer of increasing love. And in the next part of Paul's prayer, we read, May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with his holy ones. Now, it's not immediately clear from our NIV translation, but there is actually a link between these two verses. In the original text, there's a sense in which what is described in verse 13, it stems from what Paul has prayed for in verse 12. Paul is basically praying that in their increased love for fellow believers and for the wider community around them, that this would result in a strengthening of their hearts, that there would be an increase in blamelessness and holiness at the Lord's return. And so if they're increasing in increasingly loving with a pure love, a brotherly love, a love that's hardworking and sacrificial, if they're overflowing with a love like this, there'll be no room for the counterfeit love, no room for the corrupt love. They will be blameless and holy. And what a way to live in preparation for our Lord Jesus' return. We don't know when he will come, but every true believer lives in light of the fact that he could come at any time. That is what drives us to be more holy. The prospect of seeing our Savior face to face and the possibility of being called his good and faithful servant. And it's hard to imagine a more appropriate prayer for churches at all times, not just uh, this young church at Thessalonica. And my hope is that we would take this prayer and use it and ask the Lord to make us an increasingly loving church. It would do wonders for our relationships with one another within this body. And it would also be an amazing testimony to to unbelievers outside the church um, as we point them towards the perfect example of love, the Lord Jesus Christ. First, John uh, 3 verse 16 says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Jesus Christ willingly laid down his life, his own perfect life for us, because that was the only thing that would satisfy God's anger for sin. It was the only thing that could be done to restore our relationship with God and prevent us from spending an eternity in hell separated from him. I don't know if you know this love for yourself, but I would love to tell you more about it afterwards. As we finish, though, the question arises, did God answer Paul's prayer? He did, you know. If you just flick over to um, 2 Thessalonians, look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. This is what it says. 
we ought always to thank God for you, brothers, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. That's what Paul prayed for the Thessalonians, and God answered his prayer. And God's Paul, God, uh, Paul's God is our God, and our God answers prayer. And so with that confidence, let's come, with, come before God in prayer this evening. Adam.